that. And we know exactly why the tent is shaking and the fist pump is going on when you see a statement like he is risen. And yet at the same time, I want to acknowledge that there are a lot of people going to church this weekend here or at other places that just aren't quite sure why that is. Or maybe just aren't feeling that joy because they're not quite sure about the hope and the joy of Easter. My, my prayer for us today as we study God's Word right now is that no matter who you are, whether you're someone who's already fist pumping this morning in your heart or someone who's not quite sure, that, that this time in studying what Paul has to say will increase all of our joy. Increase all of our confidence and for some, maybe, for the first time, help them realize that they are invited, okay? Um, happy Easter again to all of you. Uh, the church looks uh, nice, really beautiful today, doesn't it? The, ba- the band sounds awesome. Just everything is, is great. And honestly, the, uh, the fact that there's uh, this many flowers up here, I think it's the, the most flowers that we've had since I've been here, and uh, kind of funny, too, because I went on vacation with my family a couple weeks ago, and when we left, I happened to walk by the, the sign-up and noticed that there was three people that had donated or signed up to donate flowers, and then when I came back two weeks later, I looked at the sheet, and there was over 30 people. I'm like, what in all the world happened while I was gone? And I asked Shelly, I asked Jackie, and it kind of came back to something that Pastor Matt said or did after one of the services while I was gone. And I didn't want to ask any more details, so it could have been some sort of Jedi mind trick. It could have been a threat that he's going to come to your house if you don't donate. I don't know. But long story short... Things look uh, wonderful today, and uh, before we get into God's Word, um, I wanted to make sure that all of you were aware of that uh, colored insert in your service folder. Uh, for those of you who are guests, uh, this is kind of our, our guide uh, to uh, the study. I make sure that the main things I want you to remember are part of uh, fill in the blanks so that hopefully you uh, can be uh, see that the preacher has a point, and that even more importantly, that God's Word has a point today. How many of you have uh, heard of uh, Justin Timberlake? Anyone? Okay, so like four people heard of Justin Timberlake. Everyone else, let me clue you in. This is Justin Timberlake, all right? I know all of you have heard of Justin Timberlake, all right? And uh, he's kind of a popular guy, isn't he? Uh, When he was a kid, he was on the new Mickey Mouse Club in the 80s. He was a mouseketeer. And then in the 90s, he was part of the most popular uh, boy band of my generation, NSYNC. And then within the last five to seven years, I would say, you know, Justin Timberlake is everywhere. And he's funny, and he's on Jimmy Fallon, he's on SNL, and he acts, he's in movies, and he sings, and he dances, and dances, and he's good looking, and it's just like, you know, you look at someone like Justin Timberlake, and you're like, does a guy like that ever have a bad day? (laughs) Has he ever had a time in his life where he didn't feel like he added up? Like he, did he ever feel like he didn't fit in? You would think not, right? (laughs) And then, uh, a couple weeks ago, he received an award, uh, Innovators Award, something like that. And he had a speech, and he talked in his speech about how 
uh, people didn't always accept his being a little bit different or an innovator. That, in fact, when he was a kid, and here's a picture of that, um, <laughs> he, uh, he wasn't popular. He was made fun of. People called him names that he said he couldn't repeat on television, that he didn't fit in, that he felt like he wasn't invited. And as I'm listening to Justin Timberlake talk about not feeling like he fit in, I thought for myself, to myself for a moment, if the pressures and, and standards of this world doesn't allow Justin Timberlake at times to feel like he fit in, there is no hope for any of us. That we're all going to come across times in our life like that. Maybe not all the time. Maybe it was when we were young. Maybe it was when we were old. Maybe it's, you know, here and there. But we're all going to feel that way, out of place. Like we don't fit in. Um, I remember for me, you might think of your own examples. When I was pretty young, we lived in Texas, and uh, I wore cowboy boots, like, all the time, like with shorts, my parents let me wear cowboy boots, and then we moved to Wisconsin, and believe it or not, the school I went to in Wisconsin, the kids didn't wear cowboy boots there, <laughs> but I did for a week, <laughs> and then I'm like, all right, yeah, I, I can only take the ridicule long enough, and I stopped wearing cowboy boots, I didn't fit in, and then in high school, um, maybe some of you had had this happen to you. Maybe not. Maybe I'm just the only loser. But there were times where I'd come to school on Monday and hear from uh, people that were my friends and I thought we were, you know, best friends. And I would hear like there was a gathering or an overnight that everyone was at, like my best friends. And I knew nothing about it. And, I, you know, please tell me that's happened to other people. All right. <laughs> Thank you. I feel a little bit better. Um, how about as an adult? I, I think especially living in this area, which is not only suburbia, but middle to upper middle to, you know, yeah, upper class suburbia. You look around and it is pretty hard for a person not to feel that way a little bit. Like you don't quite fit in, like you're not quite as happy as everyone else, like you don't quite have this or have that or your family doesn't look uh, like that or whatever it might be. I think, uh, you know, that just leads us to our first fill-in for today. It is stuck. So our first fill-in is this. We don't always fit in. We don't always fit in, or we don't always feel like we fit in. Here's a question. Have you ever felt that way with God? Have you ever felt at times like you weren't good enough for God? because of something you did in your past or because of your continual or my continual uh, falling back into the same things that I've always done or because of a season of wandering. Have you ever felt that way with God? Uh, I think there's a lot of people that come to church on Easter weekend that feel like they don't fit in at church. <laughs> that church is for a certain type of person who looks a certain way and acts a certain way and knows all the songs and uh, dresses a certain way. For people who have their lives together, their act together, that's what church is for. Well, I just want to let you know, if that's what you think, this is not that church. <laughs> I know 
everyone here, and more than that, they know me, and I know we're not a church of people, that we have our act together in all and in every way, and you came to a good church on a good day, because on Easter, on this day that we celebrate today, today holds the key as to why we can all feel like we're invited, that we can all feel and know that we're included, that what... God offers can be mine. And, and to do that, we're going to look at some words that a, uh, a Christian pastor named Paul wrote. And uh, most of you have heard of Paul. Some of you haven't. He was a, a Christian pastor in the first century. So right after Jesus died, rose, and ascended into heaven, um, Paul was there. And uh, he wrote about 70% of the New Testament. So He's got a lot of good writings that God inspired. And he was probably the greatest missionary and church planter that that ever lived. In fact, uh, think about this. So when the church first started, that is Christianity, after Jesus died and rose again, the 11 disciples, Jesus' 11 right-hand men, they started a church in Jerusalem while Paul started churches in Turkey, Greece, and Italy. In fact, one commentator put it this way about Paul. He said, it was as if Paul said, disciples, you take Jerusalem, I got the rest of the world. (laughs) And he did an awesome job. I mean, Paul, he's got to be like the Justin Timberlake of Christians. He always felt like he fit in. He was always good enough. And if you thought that, you'd be wrong. Which leads us to our first verse for today from 1 Corinthians 15. These are Paul's words, and we're going to skip ahead to one of the last verses that we're going to look at. Paul writes this, For I am the least of the apostles. Apostles are people that followed Jesus and were leaders in the church. And do not even deserve to be called an apostle. (laughs) He's the least? I mean, is this like some sort of false humility where, you know, you say, "Uh, I'm no good at fixing things, you know, but you're a mechanic. And you just want people to say, no, you're really good at that, right? Is this just some false humility that Paul has? I mean, he's the greatest missionary who ever lived. He's a writer of the Bible, parts of it. He's a strong Christian. Why would he feel this way? Well, he continues, because I persecuted the church. You have to know a little bit about Paul's backstory. Before he was a missionary, before he was a church planner, before he wrote parts of the Bible, before he was even a Christian, the greatest missionary who ever lived was likely the greatest Christian persecutor on the planet. He single-handedly was the reason why many Christians were killed in the years following Jesus' resurrection. Paul, that Paul. In fact, here's one verse that describes Paul a little bit in Acts 8. Paul began, this is before he was a Christian, began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them into prison with the idea that as they're in prison, that eventually they'll stand trial and be put to death. 
Can you imagine how this would have stuck with Paul throughout his whole life, likely? You know, you, you talk to uh, soldiers who've been in battle, uh, and you talk about, they talk about how if they have had to kill someone, how it just sticks with them. Or even if they didn't kill someone, that they observed it, they were around it, and how it sticks with them for a really long time, that it changes them in some ways. And that's killing the bad guy, our soldiers, right? As they kill, as they go to war. But what if, what if you spent the first part of your life killing the good guys, the people you became, Christians? You imagine you imagine how Paul, the greatest missionary who ever lived, at times felt like out of place? Like, am I invited? Like, is God for me? Will I be in heaven someday? You imagine him probably wondering, like there's a wall between him and God. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, I saw a little uh, video clip. It was of a security camera, black and white, kind of grainy. <laughs> So of a kid who had clearly gotten away from his parents, okay? And where he went to was where I probably would be. It was in front of one of those stuffed animal prize machines with the claw, you know, the, the one that's like so deceiving because the stuffed animal is right there, so easily plucked, but the claw doesn't pick up anything and just frustrates you, right? So the, you can see on the security camera that the kid is, the boy is like looking at all the, the stuffed animals and I, I don't know, but I'm thinking what's going through his mind is like, I want that one, I want that one, you know, and just kind of thinking about it. But he has no money, his parents aren't nearby. You know what he does? Climbs in, up in it. He goes through the opening where the, the animals come out, and he climbs up in it. Here's a, here's a picture of what that was like. <laughs> and it's like, you know, stuffed animal utopia, you know? He's got everything he wants. I mean, what kid could not be happier than to be able to have all the stuffed animals, right? And as you watch the, the grainy footage, you can tell that he was happy, for about 10 minutes, where the parents were that whole time, I have no idea, but for about 10 minutes. And then you can tell he starts to get a little bit nervous because he wants to get out, but he can't. He wants to get out, but he does not know how. And that's when mom and dad show up and they're like looking to see if they can move the glass or how did he get, you know, looking through the, the opening and all this kind of stuff. And, and he's stuck and he's got stuffed animals all around him. But what he really wants, what he's come to find out, what he really wants is to be with his parents. But he can't be because there's glass in front of him. There's a wall in front of him. I think we all spend our lives, at least portions of them, every single one of us, we can think back to a time of life, maybe that time is now, where we've been busy chasing stuffed animals. I want that one, I want that one, I, I want to do that, I want to have that, I want to be that. And stuffed animals are not bad. But I will tell you something that everyone has learned at one point or another in their lives. Eventually, the stuffed animals aren't so important. Eventually, what you come to find, they don't fill the hole that what 
you really want, what we all really want, is to know that I'm okay with God. <laughs> that I'm okay for now. That I'm okay for eternity. <laughs> Our next fill-in. We at times get stuck in sin and separated from God. And sometimes the getting stuck is willfully like, yeah, I know, I chase stuffed animals. Other times, it's not so willful. Sometimes it's like, uh, I've set goals for my life to be more patient, <laughs> good ones, <laughs> to be more um, dedicated, to go to church more, to, to, to not be so angry, to not worry so much. And, and we set these goals for ourselves because we know what our weaknesses are. And then how long, you know, are we better for like, you know, a day, a week. But eventually, we come back to who we are. And it's not always good. And then too, whether it's willfully or by accident, we get stuck in sin and we all get to a point where we feel separated from God. And that's how Paul, I know, must have felt as well. But listen to why he can still be included. that he still knew he was invited. 1 Corinthians 15, beginning with verse 1. Brothers, Christians, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. This is what you find your hope on, this gospel. By this gospel, you are saved. How, uh, how Paul was going to get out of the box and, and, and through the wall that separated him was not by trying real hard to get through the opening. He couldn't get out on his own. But there was a gospel that saved him. You, you know what gospel means? Some of you know. It, it means good news. And literally, it's not good news like, oh, I found a penny, mom. Like, it's good for a kid, but it's not really good news. Good news was reserved for really good news. Like, um, we won the war. Or, grandma doesn't have cancer anymore. Or, we had a baby. (laughs) Like, gospel. Good news. What was the gospel? We continue verse 3. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. And he doesn't even get there yet. What he first does is to say, hey, um, you know, (laughs) I preach a lot because I'm a preacher. I write a lot because I'm a writer. I say a lot of things. I've shared a lot of things. But, you know, if you can't stay awake for all of it, if you could boil it all down to just one thing, here it is. If I've lost you, if you could boil it all down to just one thing, if you remember nothing that I say today, here it is. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared. This is the news that saves you. That although we were stuck in our sin with stuffed animals all around us, with no way to get out, that Jesus, God's Son, came into the prize machine, (laughs) crawled through the opening into our lives, into this earth, and became our substitute and died our death, suffered hell in the place of the world. And then on Easter, 
when the tomb was empty and the, the, the stone in front was broken, it's as if Jesus himself, it, it is, as if he broke through the window and freed that little boy and freed you and I. And there's nothing we need to do. Just believe. There's, there's nothing we need to do to be better, to add up. Just believe. It's that news <laughs> that saves us. That's it, guys. That's it. That's the heart and core of Christianity. This is of first importance. This is what you need to know. This is if, if you didn't know anything else, this is all you need to know. And you can have hope and joy. <laughs> now, for those of you who are uh, part of churches, um, sometimes I think we give uh, people who aren't a part of church, uh, confu- we confuse them. <laughs> Because a lot of times people who are in churches, and obviously I'm one of them, we find ourselves often spending our most time and energy on things that are, are not this. People mostly hear other Christians talking about like, did you hear what kind of music they had or what kind of songs that they sing or, or what we should wear or, um, you know, do they have anything for senior citizens or do they have anything for teens or, you know, um, is, you know there's Bible, no Bible class on Sunday morning, you know, on and on and on, right? <laughs> And those are important things. We can talk about them. But I will just say, that's not of first importance. It's not what brought hope to Paul, all that other church stuff. It's, it's, it's not at the core what this church is about. Here's what this church is about. It's our next fill-in based on these verses. Jesus died for our sins. He was buried, he was raised, he appeared. Can I make sure that you're still with me? Can you say these with me? I know you can. All right, let's say them. Jesus died for our sins. He was buried, he was raised, he appeared. That's it. Now, a lot of times when people summarize the gospel, they just pick the first and the third right? Jesus died in our place. He rose in victory. So why does Paul make sure to include buried and appeared? Can, can I touch on that before we close today? Um, it's, he includes those because they support died and they support raised. Here's what I mean. Um, when people were normally crucified, a normal criminal, because Jesus was not that, Um, they would not bury the body. You know what they would do? They would take the body off the cross and they would throw it into a garbage dump, basically. In a pit. Uh, In the Greek, Gehenna. They would just toss it away. Now, (laughs) if that's what happened to Jesus' body, couldn't someone have said, well, um, maybe he wasn't really dead. That's why he's walking around. Did anyone verify this? But that wasn't the case with Jesus. He died. And then two guys that loved him a lot, Joseph and Nicodemus, we read that earlier, they buried him. And they anointed his body with spices. And the women came back later and then he was gone. But they did all the things you would do to a person 
who has died because Jesus had died. So he was buried. In case you're wondering if he really died, he was buried. <laughs> he was raised and he appeared. You know why uh, Jesus spent 40 days on earth <laughs> after Easter? To prove to people that he ra was raised? In fact, uh, Paul goes on here as he explains. He appeared and then he says to who? To Peter, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers, Christians, at the same time. Did, did you know that? We don't have that occasion recorded for us. We just have the truth that he did. A whole bunch of people. And, and then he goes, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Some have died, but most are still living. So you've got to understand context. This is written just a couple, three decades after Jesus died. And so the people who saw Jesus live, die, and rise again, a lot of them are still living. And it's as if Peter or Paul is saying, hey, uh, guys, if you don't believe me, <laughs> get a boat ticket across the Mediterranean and go find some of these 500 people because they saw him ra be raised and they are still alive. Go talk to them. <laughs> and then he appeared to James. Now, why would, uh, why would Paul pick James? Well, there's about four James in the New Testament. This one is reference to Jesus' brother. Jesus had brothers. Uh, the son of Mary and Joseph, probably his oldest brother, as Jesus was obviously the oldest, the son of God and the son of Mary. And let me ask you this. Um, if your brother told you that he was the son of God and the savior of the world... Would you believe him? <laughs> I know that I wouldn't believe my brother, and I know he wouldn't believe me if I said it either, right? Now, okay. If your brother died and self-resurrected himself, <laughs> would you listen? <laughs> Did you know that before Jesus died and rose again, James was not a believer? Did you know after he rose and he appeared. James, history tells us, was one of the integral leaders of the Jerusalem church. Why? In part, because Jesus raised and then he appeared. You know why we have all four of these things? Died, buried, rose, appeared. It's because Paul knew, God knew that some days we wouldn't feel like we added up. Some days we feel like we're uninvited and it is so critical for us to know that the truth of the Bible, that Jesus died and rose again, is true because that is our only hope. <laughs> I'm going to close with one last little thing. About a, about a week ago, there was a senior uh, at uh, a high school in New Hampshire. His name is uh, Brian Doherty. And he checked in to his school's basketball team's last home game at the very end of the game with about a minute left. Now, the interesting thing is this is the first time that he ever checked into a game because he wasn't really on the team. Brian Doherty is a, a, a young man, a senior, who has special needs. And so he couldn't be on the team, but he was the manager 
for uh, four years. And the story online goes on to explain how the boys of the team, very un-high school-like, just really embraced him. They loved him, even though he was different. So the coach puts him in at the end of the game, and you can just see the, the boys in the video are all trying to get him a shot. Just get him a shot, you know. And with just a couple seconds left, Brian Doherty takes the first and last shot of his career, and he swishes the thing. <laughs> and all the boys on the team come, and they, they don't just congratulate him. They lift him up on their shoulders as if he's the Super Bowl-winning coach. And afterwards, in a TV interview, Brian Doherty, the special needs student, says that he felt so good, he said, in, in kind of hard-to-understand English. He felt like he fit in. <laughs> There's always going to be times in this life where we don't feel like we add up. Heck, if Justin Timberlake felt that way, I know I'm going to feel that way at some point, at some time, right? But the good news of Easter is this. Because of Jesus, you're invited. And you belong. You're invited. You belong. Um, for, for Brian Doherty... <laughs> What his friends did is they just kind of looked past his shortcomings and accepted him. God could not do that. But instead, Jesus took away our shortcomings and our sins. And he broke through the glass. So that it's, whether it's you today thinking about yourself or thinking about a Christian loved one who's no longer with you today, that you can know for certain that you will be in heaven, that you're invited, that your loved one was invited and saved, that church is for you, you're invited, that Jesus is for you, you're invited, that Easter is for all of us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for these words of Paul. First of all, that he wrote them. Secondly, that you preserved them. Because Lord, sometimes I know I feel kind of like Paul probably did like the least of all of your people, <laughs> there are days. Lord, please forgive me for my sins through Jesus. And then lift us up with the excitement, the joy, the knowledge that you've broken free through the wall that separated us from your Father and that we can live with you forever in heaven. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.